It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. It is the free edition. It is the free review edition. Justin Painter. Hello, Painter. What's up, dude? Well, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Auburn coming off a win, and once again, a game where they put it right down to the wire, and, uh, you know, I followed the same kind of format I think we've seen from the last three games from Auburn. High moments, low moments on both sides of the ball, but in the end, got to get a stop, march down the field for a chance to win. They did it against Arkansas. They did it against Ole Miss yesterday, and they didn't do it against South Carolina. However, Auburn is three and two on the season. Painter, what was your just initial gut reaction to Auburn 35, Ole Miss 28? It won't please all Auburn fans because they didn't run up and down the field. And there's that part, too. Yeah, you're right about that. But if you're going to complain, as I have done on this very show— about a lack of consistency. One thing you can say about Gus Malzahn is he has been consistently beating Ole Miss. And something you've pointed out, since Auburn fans like to compare themselves so often to Alabama, that has not always been the case for Nick Saban. Now, the counterpoint to that is that, widely speaking, Nick Saban has had a lot more success than Gus Malzahn and anyone else. Right. But they have been consistent against this team. This team has scored a lot of points against everyone it's played with the exception now of Auburn and its opponent last week because it threw six interceptions. And speaking of those interceptions, Auburn did a good job of protecting the football. Matt Corral and the Ole Miss offense did not, and that was part of the difference. Yeah, absolutely. There was a thing going around. I think a friend of the newsletter, J.J. Jackson, tweeted it out right after the game yesterday. Gus Malzahn's now 7-1 and one against Ole Miss in his tenure. There was like this big reaction by several Auburn fans, like, ah, who cares, so what? And my counterpoint to that is, is like, yeah, I mean, beating Ole Miss regularly is not cause for a parade or anything like that. Gus Malzahn has a better, like, has fewer losses to Ole Miss than Nick Saban does. This is not a team that has tripped them up quite as much as, say, like a Mississippi State has, you know, in, in the in the Malzahn era. And it's there's something to be said of like beating an opponent that you are better than now. I think what gets Auburn fans frustrated is that it's it's year eight, of course, and there's still like oh, you're going down to the wire against Ole Miss, and like you're you're frustrated with the way the things looked. And like I understand, and for some people, there's going to be like no getting them back on the ship. Like they're already checked out, whether it's on Malzahn, whether it's on this year's team, whatever the direction of the program, whatever you want to say. But if you look at this game yesterday from Auburn, could have easily lost it, and you didn't. And in this league this year in the SEC, where it seems to be Alabama's better than everybody else. Vanderbilt's worse than everybody else. You would imagine Georgia's probably a little bit of a step ahead than the rest of the pack. But really from 3-13, to there's been a lot of just weird results. Like LSU looked really great yesterday uh, against South Carolina, a a team that Auburn lost to. They also lost to one of the worst teams in the league this year, Mississippi State. And and, and there's it just goes back and forth. Texas A&M looked bad against Vanderbilt. They beat Florida. A&M also got flattened by Alabama, and there's not really – there's been teams that have put up better fights against against the Crimson Tide this year, including uh, Ole Miss. I think if you came away from this game, there's negatives that you want to harp on. Sure, you can do that, and, and and you know we will talk about some of those things that Auburn has to fix. But the the fact of the matter remains is that Auburn continues to live dangerously, and in a year that where it doesn't feel like it's going to count a ton, what like happens here, you know, necessarily in terms of like people's jobs or it, it's a weird season. The fact that you're coming out with these wins. 
as frustrating as they may be sometime, it's a whole lot better than the alternative. If you're looking for Auburn to be the best that they can be right now, you got to win games like this. You got to win like games like this away from home. And by the way, Painter, because we like to talk about it on the show, Auburn covered. They covered in this game. Yeah, you'll take that every time, baby. We love that. We love that very much, Gus Malzahn. And to your point, I think we can tier the entire SEC pretty easily. It's Alabama. There's a gulf between Alabama and Georgia. And then there's a gulf between Georgia and whoever you want to put, probably Florida, behind that Georgia team. And then I don't know what to do with A&M's that. A&M's up there. But I mean, I'm, A&M, A&M beat Florida. Yeah, and I have a personal grudge against A&M, and now my ego's involved because they pulled off that upset. And so I'm actively rooting to be correct against this Texas A&M team. But that said, I don't know what to do with a lot of those teams behind Georgia because it kind of feels like a coin toss. And again, we said this earlier in the week, Auburn is likely going to be favored in all of their games except for that Iron Bowl. Yeah, we'll see how the A&M goes at the end of the season. I know in SP Plus, the updated ones. I, I'm really interested to see what the line is for Auburn and LSU. I think that's going to be close, as close to a pick as humanly possible. Don't you think it's going to slant towards LSU just a little bit? I mean, for, uh, maybe, maybe it will. If not in the opening line. Yeah, if not for the opening line, I think the bets will get it tilted that way during the week. Just People are going to want to jump so on LSU yesterday. after that offensive yep. Uh, performance. Yep. They'll say, look, LSU crushed a team that uh, Auburn lost to. Mm-hmm. While it's tough to play like the transitive property this season, I get it. I get I, I get where your head's at there. And like, look, I mean, LSU still has their fair share of issues, and so does Auburn. So I think it'll be an interesting game. But we're not here to talk about Auburn-LSU. That comes later this week. Let's talk Auburn, Ole Miss. And I think one of the other things I wanted to hit on before we really dove into the to the aspects of the game itself, there is this really cool thing going on, uh, and I'm saying this sarcastically, across <laughs> across social media where it's like, how many times is the SEC going to gift Auburn these calls? Yeah, I mean, the Sean Shivers thing, I'm surprised they didn't review it. And like mm-hmm. Ole Miss has every right to be mad about it. I found it funny that Arkansas fans were more mad about that call than Ole Miss fans were. They are still upset, and they are a fan base that uh, is truly one of the worst on the internet. Just an unhappy group of people. And I would Just, agree yeah, with you. They were vicariously unhappy. more injured about that call than Ole Miss fans were because Ole Miss fans were too busy having fun going, well, at least we scored some points, and you know what? We're going to go party now. Yeah, Ole Miss fans are pretty chill about it, and they know this is kind of year one and weird year, but they're happy with what they're getting out of lane, even though it's you know not perfect, and uh, that team makes some really bad decisions at times. And this is probably a lot of what you're going to get over the lane, Kiffin tenure. Like, it should get a oh, little yeah. better because the talent will improve a little bit over the next few recruiting cycles, albeit they're not off to a hot start yet. Speaking of weird seasons, like, I think if you're Ole Miss and an Ole Miss fan, you got to kind of come to the realization that most of these games are going to end like this, except, mm-hmm. of course, for the part where the ball bounces off or at least look to have bounced off Sean Shivers I get it if I was in Ole Miss's shoes in that situation I would be complaining about the exact same thing Arkansas fans get out of here man the funniest one I saw and I mean I saw this published this wasn't just a fan I saw this published it was like Auburn should be one and four and possibly zero and five and I was like are we forgetting the Kentucky game it's like oh well they had that reverse call that should have been a touchdown I was like yeah but Auburn won by multiple scores in that game. Kentucky melted down in the second half. And even if you want to say that call could change the game, the fact of the matter is, is Auburn played better in Kentucky in the second half and won that game. It's ridiculous that that we've gotten to this point. But here's my thing. Some people are like, how does this keep, you know, how does this keep happening? Auburn, how does this keep favoring Auburn? And like, I get it. Yeah, Auburn has been on the right side of some pretty big calls, no calls, no reviews, whatever you want to call it. Particularly at the end of games when we're hyper-focused on the officiating. Right, right, right. right. But like, Auburn's also been victim. They had a kick return touchdown for 
Uh, I don't know Bigsby. why that was called back. Like I know it was a hold. I guess was what they ruled it. it I'm not really sure. Like I'm not really sure where the hold was, but they did call it. Yeah, they they called it, and then there were some holding calls that didn't go Auburn's way on some drives that Ole Miss quite a lot actually. Yeah, that Miss, was a little Ole... weird, um, in my opinion. I know that's not as sexy of a thing to point out than but, a controversial kickoff no call, but I would say there was a lot of holding in that game. SEC might want to take a look at that. Whether you're a fan or even somebody in the media, and you want to be like, uh, you know, this conspiracy or you know whatever, like. First Why would the all, SEC want Auburn to win? Exactly, it's one of exactly. the smallest schools in the conference, and it shares a state with the flagship program of the entire country—not what, what, just the conference, what, but the whole country. What does it benefit the SEC to rule in favor of Auburn? Yeah, right? they would be doing that in favor of, I would think, if you want to put on your tinfoil hat, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, or LSU, and I think we can rule out a right. couple of those squads this year. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm thinking. Let's it's simmer ridiculous. down, okay? Yeah, well, let's, it's ridiculous. Here, here, here's the thing. Don't call it a conspiracy. Auburn has been able to take advantage of some calls that, some big ones that went against the other team that probably could have gone the other way. It maybe should have gone the other way. Yeah, right? I would argue should have, but nonetheless, they didn't. And even though I still don't know what the kickoff rule is. Some people are saying you have to maintain possession. Mm-hmm. Some people are having to, I don't know. The fact that everybody freaked out about it makes me think that that's probably what the rule book. I, I dug through the rule book yesterday. I mean, all I saw was touched, touched and untouched. Don't call it a conspiracy. Call it what it is. It's incompetence. It's incompetence in officiating. It's something that we see at every level in every sport. Right, officiating is bad. Uh, officiating can ruin games. Officiating can be the reason why your team wins or loses. And instead of saying, "Okay, well, it just it's favoring one team or whatever," not really. Auburn's gotten screwed over on some calls this year. Just call it what it is. It's incompetence. It's it's just bad officiating. The fact that Auburn's been able to take advantage of a couple of those things. Okay, it's not a setup or anything like that. They're just fortunate, and also it's sometimes they're also unfortunate, like the Tank Bigsby callback, like some of those those pass interference calls against uh, Auburn against South Carolina a week ago. You're is just, there a bit it, of a it's martyr, just bad officiating? Is there a bit of a martyr complex with the Auburn fan base, or is that in any fan base? Because I do feel any like, fan base. Okay, any fan base. Okay, well that's good to know. I'm glad that we don't feel like that's reserved to just the Auburn loyals. No, but at the no. same time, I almost feel like there is this sense among other SEC teams that Auburn does not deserve anything and that because Auburn has gotten some of these calls because Auburn has had I would say some up and down success but it's been to the mountaintop in the last decade it's been to the game in an even more recent time it's like there are some fan bases that think hey we're on par with Auburn they shouldn't be having all this success we should and then when it manifests itself into questionable officiating they they go see I knew it the whole time this team isn't actually that good at all they're they're hardly better than our program oh that's right Arkansas I'm sorry did you guys win any conference games in the previous two years my bad these programs are clearly in the same place you can't also just say like we love college football because it's wacky and unpredictable and then when it goes against your team be like oh this is a disgrace like what do you want it to be like the nfl indiana beat penn state yesterday with like barely any yards and it was incredible um, well, it depends on how you're looking at it. I mean, if you had the money line incredible. on Penn State, then I would no. say not as great. But anyway, yeah, I digress. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done that. Don't bet against Indiana. Never bet against Indiana. Well, not I would our, say this, Berg. It had been 33 years since they beat the top 10 team. They've had 42 tries, and that was the one that did it. And while we're talking about bad officiating, I'd just like to point this out. It seems like we're really stuck between a rock and a hard place with our reviews right now, I feel like watching that, a lot of us were going, yeah, that ball's probably down. But 
your hands are tied and I get the rule. It's got to be clear. It's got to be obvious, right? And so I'm walking away from a lot of these replays going, that sure does look like he's short, but because they ruled it on the field, I guess we'll just get it wrong. There's also a level of like defending the officials. Like you don't want to overturn a ton because yeah. it makes the officials on the field look bad and it penalizes them really for not doing well. I feel like this is a good time before we dig into the rest of the game to do a quick little segue here because I am talking about Indiana. <laughs> Homefieldapparel.com, baby. Ooh, Indiana. Nine win Indiana. Uh, our boy our boy Connor was having a huge day on Saturday because of Indiana's win over Penn State. Let's keep those good vibes going, folks. Homefieldapparel.com. Premium collegiate apparel. Vintage logos. Painter can attest to you of their quality. And, and of course, just look at Painter's Twitter, uh, Avi. <laughs> You can't beat that logo. You can't beat that Auburn logo. They got so many good Auburn logos. Most comfortable t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies that you can find anywhere. Auburn still number one in the in the big new Saturday rankings. Yesterday, the biggest new Saturday, they put out several new schools. Delaware, Rice, Fresno State, Vanderbilt, Vandy. UC Irvine. Yeah, all getting, all getting some love from... Nashville uh, folks, get on it. If you have a connection to a to a small school besides Auburn, like if you have any sort of connection, I know there's several of you guys listening who do, check out Homefield probably has some cool stuff in your team, your favorite teams. Or if you're like me, you're just gonna want to have gear that's not necessarily uh, you know affiliated with anybody that you like. You just think it's a you just think it's a cool shirt and it's very very comfortable. Like me right now, I'm wearing a Houston shirt, um, <laughs> the old the old five oh. slam pajama. Uh, the, the the classic look. So homefieldapparel.com is where you can get all of that. We appreciate them supporting us. And as a reminder, if you've never ordered at Homefield yet and you want to order some of those the, that Auburn stuff, probably going to get cooler here coming up. So you want to get those sweatshirts and hoodies for sure. Uh, homefieldapparel.com, use the promo code OBSERVER. That's OBSERVER for 20% off your first order at Homefield. Hook it up right now. Um, have a lot of fun with that. I'm about to get my my big like fall collection, fall winter stack. I'm 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 sorting through, figuring out which ones. I've I've gone through this whole big new Saturday. I got the first one when it was Hawaii. Getting towards the end of it now, feeling like I'm going to get to pick the pick the best of the best, and uh, we can attest, Painter. It's it's there's some of the best that you can find anywhere. That's HomeFieldApparel.com, Indiana. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking of Indiana. Um, I would like to point out what Matt Brown posted on Twitter. Penn State outgained Indiana 488 to 211 and lost. According to College Football Reference, a losing team having 475 yards or more against a winning team with 225 or fewer happened only one other time since 2000. Can you guess, Ferg, who that team was? I already know this one. It was Indiana when they beat Oregon in like 04 yes. or 05 or something like that. Incredible. Incredible. So go Hoosiers. You truly are the, <laughs> the chaos Auburn of the Big Ten, and we love you. Let's get into Auburn Ole Miss. Painter, we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. This was the game that Auburn fans have been waiting to see from Bo Nix. Finally in a game away from Jordan-Hare Stadium. He looked really good. He looked really good. He looked really comfortable. He made some really good plays. It wasn't perfect, of course. There were mistakes. There were some tough throws. There were some almost interceptions. There were some, you know, running into pressure and stuff like that. It's not all going to be fixed in one night. But again, like we had talked about last week, when you come up against a bad defense away from home, can you take advantage? Or are you just, this is just who you are as a quarterback? And yesterday, Bo Nix played an excellent game, a, an excellent game uh, managing the action, 
making some big throws when he needed to, and also running the ball very effectively. Yeah, the running won't get a ton of attention because it's not like he absolutely stuffed the stat sheet, but the timeliness of those runs were often important. 23 of 30, 238 yards, a touchdown. By comparison, Matt Corral, 16 to 27 for a buck 54. He also had a TD, but Corral had two interceptions. When you win the game by a single possession and need to score late, those two interceptions look really important. And Auburn fans probably more than aware of that after the three interceptions next through on the road last week. Yeah, for sure. And we'll get to we'll get to the way Auburn's defense played against Matt Corral and Ole Miss uh, because I thought it was a I thought it was a genius game plan from Kevin Steele, even though some people are questioning what, <laughs> my take on that. So I, I'm looking to I'm looking to talk a little bit more about that later on here in this episode. But yeah, I thought Nick's he you know making some of those reads that they did. Ole Miss was just over pursuing and like really just I said it during the game it looked like they were playing Madden and they were you know guessing play run middle and like all right if it, <laughs> if, if Nick's pulls it he's gonna score he's gonna you know get a big play and sure enough he did but I think even more important than that early on in the game I know it was raining so it was kind of like the you were back in the Arkansas situation where you didn't want to throw it deep a ton but in that in that first half a lot of quick passes, a lot of shorter passes, uh, a lot of nickel and dime in them. Because here's the thing about this Ole Miss defense, they don't tackle particularly well. So you didn't necessarily have to go deep. That offensive line only gave up a few pressures in the game. I thought that was a I thought that was a, a, a noteworthy development for this group. They're coming along. This offense is coming along. Fans are frustrated that, it, that it's taken this long for it to kind of click like this in a game like this. You probably would love to see more. Uh, against a team like Ole Miss with as bad of a defense as they played. It was enough of a, uh, to get a win. I thought Knicks looked really comfortable. And then in the second half, when they started stretching the field a little bit more, when they started doing a little bit more variety of throwing the ball, he looked locked in. Completion percentage that he had um, is the best he's had in any game away from home, and that's the best quarterback rating he's had in a game away from home in his young career. And, like, the, you've been waiting for it. Like, I know it wasn't it wasn't a good defense. It was a very bad defense, in fact. But you had to take advantage of it, and he did. And I think the, the bigger development from that, Painter, after hearing an entire week about it, Bo Nix and uh, Seth Williams are okay. You know, How did you know? Is, How did you – wait, are, are you sure? I don't – I can't – it's hard to tell, man. I don't – I mean, Seth quit on the team as far as I can tell, and Bo Nix, yep. man, he's terrible, man. What, I don't know what you've been talking about. I mean, look, we said this uh, last last few weeks. Like, it's been an underwhelming season. I know I had Bo as a top-four quarterback in the league. Yeah. We, we talked about him being in a lot of statistics in the bottom four heading into this week. They leaned on that run game. He looked a lot more comfortable. I'll be curious to hear the yeah buts from Auburn fans all week. I'm kind of guessing going to lean into what it is – you were just saying about that defense not being good at all. Oh, it's yeah. like you'd like oh, to yeah. see a little bit more. Uh, I did not know, and you pointed this out, Ole Miss has actually been pretty decent at getting pressure on the quarterback. And one of the mm-hmm. things I've been most disappointed about this year was I thought, you know, hey, last year Nick's had happy feet, and sometimes it felt like he wasn't always comfortable. Well, a quarter of the way, about halfway through this season, I was like, man, that's still a problem. And it got a little better yesterday, did it not? If you look at Pro Football Focus, I believe Nick's only had five pass attempts under pressure yesterday, and he was four or five. He made some good throws under pressure. I know he threw away threw away one, and yeah, there's still misfires when he's when he's got a clean pocket. But I think he handled the pressure well um, when it came to him. But mostly, he trusted those guys and stood in the pocket and made some good throws. Uh, Seth Williams, huge day for him, obviously. Even bigger than that late touchdown, which we'll talk about. He had four catches on third downs that moved the chains for Auburn. And part of the reason why they were able to move the chains is they got into third and four, third and five situations, Mm -hmm. those third mediums, because they were running the ball so well on early downs. 
that hitting Knicks over the I mean hitting Williams over the middle was so so key in this game for Auburn. They did a really good job of attacking different areas of the field and not necessarily screens or shots. That was that's been, you know, the big thing and sometimes in certain games recently it's felt like Auburn's done that. They started to stretch the field a little bit more. Um but I mean man, Seth Williams looking at it right now Seth Williams caught one deep ball uh, one intermediate ball of course the one that ended up being a touchdown he caught two passes behind the line of scrimmage and he caught four over the middle in short yardage you know slants clear outs drags stuff like that those things that Auburn fans have been desperately wanting to see (laughs) um well here you go guys you got it you got it you got Seth Williams looking like an all-around receiver in that final drive that offense showed so much confidence that they were going to be able to walk down the field and get that get that chance to win. And sometimes it just comes down to the fact that you have better players than the other team, and it's just talent getting the ball to talent and letting talent do do the work. That last touchdown, intermediate ball, uh, Malzahn said it after the game. Knicks had to had to adjust and throw it a little bit quicker than normal um, to make sure the safety didn't didn't get over the top, and uh, he hit it. Seth Williams just said, "All right, well y'all aren't tackling me." breaks it and 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 scores and that's it it was the all-around game he also hit got that 50 50 ball over the top where yeah that was embarrassing for the defensive back and yeah yeah there was probably some other open guys on the field and yeah nicks might have just defaulted to saying hey Seth's down there boom here (laughs) here we go but like it shows you why that works but those shorter passes i thought got him in rhythm you don't need bo nicks necessarily to be mac jones or trevor lawrence or Justin Fields to win games this season, it would be great. I know Auburn fans. If he was closer to that, it's part of the re- it's part of the hype that you got in the off season. You know, it's it's the whole Chad Morris thing coming in. I get that. You got to win football games. I thought yesterday I, I wrote it in the uh, observations. Friend of the uh, friend of the program, Brandon Marcel, pointed out. Kind of looked like Auburn found their identity yesterday. If they can take care of the ball and do that, what they did, they're going to be in a lot of games from here on out. So let me play devil's advocate a little bit here, or at least say oh, that you it, never do that. It begs the question because this game plan did work. I think you got to give credit to Gus and Co. Right and Chad Morris. Why is it it took so long to figure out? All right, let's use those intermediate routes and let's work in our run game a little bit more. Especially, I would say after the Arkansas game, it seemed uh, more obvious that, that they were going to be able to lean on the ground game than we might have initially thought. And it's like, all right, even if it's not against a good defense, that seems to be a pretty winning formula in this conference, given what we know about a lot of the defenses Auburn will face the rest of this year, which I think circles back to your and Brandon's point. But to me, it took too long to figure that out is all I'm trying to say. It did work, so yep. they got you got to yep. give them credit for that. Yep. But you it give, took half you the gotta, season. Right. You got to give them credit for making adjustments. And, and get finding the formula to win, it's better than the alternative. I think that's kind of the thing is like if you want to be frustrated again, year eight, all that all that stuff mm-hmm. that it took him that long. I, I get that. And like you you are a very valid Auburn fan and your and your frustration with that. And it's but, not the first season we've seen that. I think if this were the right, first in eight years, right. that would be one thing. For sure. For sure. So I think for Auburn, it's a young offense that if you find if this is your identity moving forward, well, I mean, most of those guys could be coming back next year. I don't think mm-hmm. Seth Williams will be, but uh, <laughs> but most of those guys will be coming back next year. So you can figure out that this could be the way moving forward, and it could help you win some win some football games. The running game. I mean, what else? What else is there left to say at this point about Tank Bigsby? You got one of the best running backs in the country, and if he stays healthy, I mean, I guess you'll get two more great years out of him. I, I highly doubt you'll be getting a fourth. 
Tank Bigsby right now, man, is playing on another level. And this is a freshman. This is a true freshman. He became the first Auburn running back to rush for more than 100 yards in three straight games since Carryon Johnson did it in 2017. He became the first Auburn freshman to rush for 100 yards or more in three games in a season since Michael Dyer. He Who was the other guy on that list, Ferg? Oh, well, let, let, let the people know, Painter. A little Bo Jackson, Vincent. Uh, some of you might know him by. Uh, if you look at it right now, Tate Bigsby is averaging 5.84 yards per carry. That is the third best in the SEC. That is the second best among running backs who have have more than 25 carries this season. Um, the way it's going, I mean, if he's on this pace right now, and remember, he ran a little bit in week one, ran a little bit in week two, but these last three weeks, if you look at him, I'm going to say it, compared to the rest of the league, if he can keep up this pace and Auburn win some games down the stretch, I think you could be potentially looking at a freshman all-SEC running back in Tank Bigsby, behind Najee Harris. I know yeah, it's I was going to say, that he'll, he'll uh, understandably get a But you a get lot two running backs. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hey, Najee, there might be this year for Najee uh, a bit of extra love for what he's had as kind of a quietly good career because I think people uh-huh. really wisened up this offseason to just how good – he is now that he's not sharing the backfield with Tua. Tank is just tearing it up right now. I think at the very minimum, you're going to see second-team All-SEC for him. At the halfway point, he's one of the best running backs in the SEC. And again, he's only had three games where he's really been the lead guy for Auburn. And by the way... Speaking of lead the, guys, how about J.J. Pegues? Uh Had a couple of woo! nasty blocks leading the way for our guy, Tank. He looked like he had a lot of fun um, <laughs> yeah. playing back in his back in his hometown again. I think he was happy to get that dub, right? Uh, Kiffin, I think, made a comment that he didn't get a chance to recruit Pegues, if I'm not mistaken. So he got hired, and Auburn picked up Pegues like pretty soon after. Like it was very, it was a very quick sequence. I think you know Auburn had been in on him for a while. Regime change, you know, he might be a casualty of that. By the way, speaking of league guys, Sean Shivers getting the start. As you pointed out yesterday on on Twitter, Painter, that does not matter. It matters who has the most carries by the end of the game. And Sean had a good game. Sean had a good game. 11 carries, 60 yards. I think he had a couple – he got stuffed a couple of times early, and some people were like, oh, well, let's get get him off the field. Here, let's put uh, put Tank back in. But, no, I think you saw why Sean Shivers, I think, is that type of running back, and and, and it helped. Yeah, absolutely has a role. You want to feed Tank. The way the man runs is like 20, 25 carries a game is not too much. And as Gus said, after the game, Chavers is still getting 100, closer to 100%. Now, DJ Williams got banged up during the game. I think you might have seen him a little bit more if, if that, would, that wasn't the case. But, yeah, 11 carries, 60 yards, got a touchdown out of it, you know, over five, five yards of carry. My thing with Sean Chavers is I thought his best role, and, like, I know Auburn was leaning towards experience early year. We didn't know how good Tank Bigsby could be. But, you know, calling him Cam Martin with some extra thump, um, I think is a really good role for him. Right, like you don't have to be, you know, the lead dog to make an impact in a game. You know, Sean Shivers can make an impact in the game without necessarily being a guy who touches the ball twenty times. Eleven carries, six. I mean, you average over five yards a carry, and get a touchdown and help out your team. I mean, he was a big, and he's not even one hundred percent as Malzahn said. Like, I think you're going to see him continue to play off well in this rotation. We'll see what happens with Williams. I guess Mark Anthony Richards will not play this year. I yeah, I'm really just kind of thinking this isn't going to be his year. I guess are we all thinking uh, that? Is that the is am I, I stupid guess. to to have gone halfway through the season expecting that to change at any point? I mean, I don't know, man. We've talked about it enough. Like, I yeah, just that's, can't. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I just I, I can't I can't fathom what's what's going on there. I think I wrote about it in the mailbag on Friday. Um, but yeah, Tank Bigsby playing really well. I thought Auburn's offensive line. I mean, they're obviously more comfortable blocking for the run than they are um, pass protecting. They uh, they they created some gaping holes again. Yes, like I said, Ole Miss's run defense is porous. They were one of the worst in the country, but you had to take advantage of that, right? And they did, and they created some big holes. They created some some big lanes for Bigsby, Shivers to run through. Also for for Knicks to pull it out. You know, once Ole Miss over pursued, uh, you know, Ole Miss got some plays behind the line of scrimmage and some stops, and it was just kind of like okay, they were just shooting the gaps really hard and just overplaying it. Um, and sometimes, you know, those uh, Ole Miss's defensive front has some disruptive players. It's not a good defense, but it's, they've got some disruptive disruptive players up front. Oh, they can make some plays in the backfield. Um, I think the big problem you have for Auburn in this game is that there were some drives that stalled out. There were some decisions from Knicks that were rough. Um, it was frustrating at times. I, I totally 100% get that. But you ended up coming out with a win in the end. Knicks looked a whole lot more comfortable. Your rushing attack looked really, really good. Your offensive line did a solid job. Um but your big problem coming out of this one, I think, is that you don't know what the status of Brandon Council looks like moving forward. And Council mm-hmm. has been a real MVP for that offensive line early. He's as consistent as they come. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes in pass protection. He's been a pretty good run blocker. And now you might not be with him for a while. He had to come out of the tent on on Saturday on, on, on crutches. So uh, that's going to be a tough thing. Um, you are ready you know, to come in with somebody else at guard, especially right guard, because Keandre Jones stepped into that lineup and Auburn was able to, you know, make make it through without counsel. Um, I again I, I think Keandre Jones is a really good player. Uh, I think he's a guy that you wanna wanna peg for some future success at the guard spot moving forward. He's already played like a s like some starter quality reps in certain games. That's a good sign moving forward. However, Council was probably your best offensive lineman through the first, you know, five games of the season. You wanna have that out there. Right, you want to be able to, to to lean on that, and so that's going to be something you want to keep an eye on uh, moving forward for Auburn. That's just some tough news for a game where Auburn's offense took a step forward. I think learned some things, showed some things that they have progressed on, showed that they are coming together. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they have have to fix still, and it is frustrating. I get I get it um, to to kind of edge a team like Ole Miss uh, in that capacity. But like, look, man, Ole Miss. Ole Miss beat Kentucky. Now Kentucky looks a lot worse um, than you know in hindsight now after what they did yesterday against Missouri. But they beat Kentucky. They gave Alabama just some absolute some absolute grief in that game, uh, and they gave Florida a good good run there for a while. And part of the part of the thing that united all those all those games I was just talking about is that they put points on the board. And Painter yesterday, Auburn's defense did not give up a ton of points to this Ole Miss uh, to this Ole Miss offense, and they did it without like you know, forcing eight turnovers like Arkansas did. To your point about the offensive line, they don't have any great defenses left on the schedule, right? Like LSU, Mississippi State, who Alabama cares? Alabama has the potential to be great. Yeah, I think Alabama going into the week in SP+, Bill Connolly's projections anyway, had them at like the 21st best defense. Mm-hmm. And look, we know that they're littered with talent. As the year goes on, the defense probably gets a little better. I'm not expecting Auburn to win that game anyway. But to your point, not a ton of great defenses left on the schedule, albeit a couple of good ones. On the other side of the ball, man, um, are we switching to defense or am I getting ahead of myself? No, go ahead. Uh, what did you think about that formation? You wrote about it. It was kind of fun. You mentioned that it 
resembled something we saw that worked really well against LSU last year. And I wondered if you thought that contributed to some of why Ole Miss was able to have probably a little bit more success on the ground than I would have envisioned. I mean, we talked a lot going into this game about how great Ole Miss's offense has been, especially through the air. And Jerry and Ely is a former five-star, so nothing to scoff at, but pretty good day running for Ole Miss, all things considered. So here's here's what I think. And, and, you know, I haven't gotten done rewatching the game yet. What I think I might do for film room, I've written so much about this offense because it's easier to write, and I know about it. I know more about it just – my knowledge of this team and the system is, is more on the offense side of the ball. Defense is kind of an enigma to me uh, in some cases. Um, I, have to, <laughs> I, I have to lean heavily on the people who know it uh, and the people who talk to me about it uh, more often. But I kind of want to, and this might be Film Room on Monday, so check it out, auburnobserver.com for subscribers. Um, I think I might do a thing on just how the defense won this game against against Ole Miss. Because here's, here's what happened in this game. Auburn came in knowing that Ole Miss wanted to put the ball in the air and make some big plays. Darian Ely is a good running back. They've run the ball well this year. They're not a they're not an air raid. In fact, they run the ball, you know, a little more than half the time in most of these games. But heading into that game, Ole Miss was top 15, even top 10, top 5 in certain categories in pass plays of 10, 20, 30, 40 and 50 yards this season. They have created some bombs downfield. Um with Corral and that Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is a guy that they really, you know, really, really like getting the ball to. I know some Auburn fans were um, kind of terrified heading into the game. They're like, you know, all right, Elijah Moore had 227 against Florida, uh, 92 against Kentucky, 143 against Alabama, 113 against Arkansas, double-digit catches in every one of those games. Guess what he had yesterday? Five catches, 16 yards. Auburn did a really good job of stifling that passing attack and not letting them get a lot of room to operate. Uh, Ole Miss had two explosive pass plays on Saturday. One of them was a busted coverage that it looked like Jacoby McLean might have gotten lost on the tight end. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that one, though. Somebody blew coverage because he was Somebody was open. open as bleep. Yeah, he was open, and he got it. And then there was another one that was about a 15-yard play on, on third down. That was a good throw from Corral, good good play and good Did catch there. Did I say there. somebody? I'm pretty sure it was the tight end, wasn't it, Yaboa? It was, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yaboa. And he's a big play guy. Like He averages like over 20 yards a catch this year uh, for a tight end, which is absurd. But Yeah, I mean, between kinda, Ely and Moore. They just gave him open. Tra- yeah, he was a transfer in. Like I mean, they recruited the quarterback position well, and, and those three guys are all talented. This is you know, again, I think Auburn clearly has more talent top to bottom, but like the offense itself for Ole Miss is not just totally without talent. There will be a few guys, I think, that can make the jump to the next level, and Kiffin's only going to raise that level here in the next couple of seasons, in my opinion. They gave Alabama the absolute blues on offense. And Florida. Those are two top 10 teams. They got 613 yards against Florida, 647 yards against Alabama, right? 35 points and 48 points in those games, respectively. Auburn helped them to 444 and, and, and 28 points. And here's why. I think the game plan that Kevin Steele drew up for that game, and, I, and, and I'm guessing he watched a lot of what Arkansas did a week earlier, was genius. And the fact that if you commit more guys to the back end and you really focus on covering guys up and not letting them beat you deep, Corral's going to make mistakes. He will force some things into traffic. Um, and you can really, if you keep everything in front of you, you tackle well in space, you're going to have a good, a lot of success because they're going to go side to side, side to side, side to side, wait for you to lean up and then hit you over the top. Auburn just never fell. They never took the bait. 
They never took the bait in this game. That one big pass play was pretty much it. Outside of that one big pass play, less than four yards in attempt for Matt Corral. And Corral had been shredding teams through the air this season. And can I steal your thunder just a little bit? Because last week you pointed out uh, the averages on passing and rushing and why it is even when you have a good rush per attempt average, you don't want it to be similar to your passing average. And Auburn, in that loss to South Carolina, as you pointed out recently, 5.8 yards per pass and rushing 5.8 yards per rush in the win over Ole Miss. This is now Ole Miss's category as the loser. 5.8 yards per pass, 5.5 yards per rush. By all accounts, 5.5 yards a rush is not what the Auburn defense wanted or normally would want, but you made them more or less one-dimensional, right? And most of the time, when you're one-dimensional against the steel defense, it just does not work out. And I think that was the case today as evidence, or yesterday, Saturday, excuse me, as evidenced by the fact that they've been one of the few teams this season that has been able to stop Lane Kiffin's offense. I know Arkansas did it, but they also six I mean, picks. Six picks. Like you're not going to win any games that way. You cut it in. You cut those in half, and you know, Ole Miss moves the ball maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty yards more right there. Um, so I'm going backwards a little bit, but I thought it was yeah. telling that in this game, the team that had the interceptions, Ole Miss, I mean, they kind of mirrored some of what Auburn did in that loss to South Carolina. Not completely, but bear with here, me as I make that here, comparison. Well, here's why I think this was genius, and, I, and I'm, I'm pretty much convincing myself to write about this tomorrow for Film Room. Auburn came into that game, and they sacrificed their run defense in order to stop the big play from happening. The last thing they, they wanted to come into that game, on the offensive side, they knew Auburn was going to run the ball, they were going to play some short passes. They weren't necessarily going to go for broke. They didn't want to get into a track meet with Ole Miss. They didn't want to get into a shootout with Ole Miss. So that defense helped out the offense by saying this. Y'all run the ball on that end. I mean, it was a quick game. It was a quick game. Like It wasn't necessarily a game that took forever, uh, especially in the first half. That first half flew by. But you sacrifice that, some of that run defense, that you run that three-man defensive front and commit six players in the defensive backfield. And, and, and you have two linebackers. Both of those linebackers who mostly played – Zagoba McLean and Owen Popo, really good coverage guys. Owen especially played super well in coverage on Saturday. Of course, McLean might have had the breakdown on that pass to Yaboa. But yeah, shout out to Popo. I don't know why, but it seems like God, this year I've heard a lot of complaints about him. He, he played really well yesterday. Excellent game from him. He was the perfect linebacker to throw up against that Ole Miss defense for sure. And so they run that three two that three two six formation, and what that does is saying, "Hey, Ole Miss." We're putting five guys in the box. We might bring in a safety down or something like that, and, and I'll be interested to see how much that look like, looks like with Jamie Sherwood and try to help out and run support. But what we're going to have to do in this case is say, hat on hat, you're probably good. Like, if you block well, you're probably going to run the ball decently against us. But what does running the ball do? It it, it it works the clock. It you know Even if you give up some big running plays like Auburn did, some 10, 15-yard carries that were frustrating for Auburn fans to see, there were missed tackles, missed fits, I get that. But you came into that game saying, you run the ball. Because here's what you do when you run the ball. You can't move the ball and score as quickly as you want to, right? You can run the ball, but it's going to take more time off the clock for you. That was what I think Auburn did coming in this game. And I think it was a genius plan. Keep everything in front of you in the pass defense. Be willing to sacrifice sacrifice that run, that run defense in order to protect the big play against the pass really well. And it was smart. It worked. Corral could not stretch the field on him. For that run defense, it, it's tough. You know, the one of the reasons that the three one six worked so well last season for Auburn when they played 
when they when they played eighteen or three one seven. Sorry, that when the three one seven worked so well against LSU is that they had Derek Brown, who Derek Brown is basically two defensive linemen. He's worth two defensive linemen. It's right, like, the numbers game really in your favor at that point when you've got someone that good at rushing the passer. Plus, you know, no right. Benogany and Roger McCreary in your secondary. On, on top of that, KJ Britt, one yeah. of the best run run stoppers in America. Well, you don't have either of those guys right now. Or you don't have one of them anymore permanently, and you have another one who was on the sidelines. Indefinitely you know, out. Yeah, hyping his teammates up, which I think was an effect on the team. But, you know, he, he's out. He's not out there. So without Brown and without Britt, you are going to lose a step for in terms of run blocking. But it'll, it makes Ole Miss kind of nickel and dime you. It, makes you. it makes Ole Miss have to chew up the clock a little bit more. They don't play as quickly. They didn't have near – this is the fewest amount of drives that Ole Miss had all season. Ferg, isn't this the way moving forward for Auburn on pretty much every team? I don't know if you can do it against Alabama because I don't know what you can yeah. do against Alabama, honestly. The way I'm looking at the rest of these teams, some of that game plan seems to match up given mm-hmm. the propensity for mm-hmm. offense and the – uh, switched and the focus on passing in this conference over the last few years. I think everybody but Tennessee. Yep, it works. It definitely, it definitely is something you're going to want to do against Mississippi State because not only can, not only does uh, I think this was something that uh, that Jason Kirk said on the on the full cast last week. It's like not only does Mississippi State never run the ball, but they are the worst in America at it. Like they're <laughs> they're so bad at running the football. Um, so, but those plans maybe might work, and we'll see what A and M looks like by the end of the season. But yeah, I think this is something you can move forward and use a lot of. And 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 the run defense got gashed at certain times. But what happened in this game? In the in the times when Auburn needed to make a stop, that run defense stepped up. Um, they got the three, you know, they got the three and out late to force that that final drive for Auburn to take the lead. Right? They got the three and out that they needed once again. Uh, you know, that interception that Roger McCreary had in the end zone, Ole Miss is at the five or whatever. They had been moving the ball right down the field. Big plays in the run defense made, made the difference, forces Ole Miss to throw in, in, in the red zone where things are tighter, where things are more cramped. And we know that Matt Corral is prone to making bad decisions sometimes throwing the ball. Played right into their hands. And by the way, there was a little bit more talk recently of like, oh, is Roger McCreary kind of falling off a little bit? Well, buddy. He played, he played super well yesterday. Welcome I know he to was, the chat. I, I know he wasn't necessarily the guy who was guarding um, Elijah Moore every play. Uh, it was a team effort if you look at the PFF numbers. However, I will say this. He did a really good job of that. He made some huge plays. He made some great tackles. He stopped that that really just insanely dumb uh, you know, fake field goal call by Ole Miss. Uh he played super well. He was, <laughs> it I think was he was so dumb. That was a surreal. It was scratcher. so bad. It was so bad. I mean, you know, just go for it. And the other thing here on special teams, because we could probably talk more about special teams and, and than normal for Auburn. Stop squib kicking. Yeah. It's 2020. I saw this in the Kick Indiana the game. Yeah, Indiana what are you doing? That. Indiana almost almost lost that game on that. That was a real bad decision. Um. Also, um, to your point about that sucker the out of the back of the end zone. I don't care how much the team moves the ball on Auburn's defense if they do not score points. And in this game, 28 against this offense when they hung 35 in their first game against Florida. I know it was an overtime game, but they hung 42 on Kentucky, 48 on Alabama, only 21 on Arkansas, but there were six picks. They gave away six possessions, yeah. I mean, like, all things considered, yes, did they have a good rushing attack against this defense? Yeah. Did it matter? 
Not really, because Not one, really. they had a really low total by their average of points, and two, you won the game. It's a game of stops sometimes. When you play when when both offenses are humming, it sometimes just comes down to a game of stops. How many times do you stop them compared to the other side? And in this game for Auburn, they got the stop. They got the interception in the red zone. They got the final stop. They got the three and out when they needed. I think it finished like Auburn had five stops on defense. Ole Miss had four. You won by a touchdown. There's your ball game. I, I think it was a really good game plan for Auburn. I think it's a stop moving forward. Again, like I wrote in the observations, it's not going to win you very many style points. You are going to get people who are going to look at the box score and be like, oh, this is bad. But I think if you watch the game in context, you know, okay, there was a plan here that sometimes you got outgapped. Sometimes you got, you know, you know the, the, the hats just weren't enough down, down low. You did miss some tackles. You didn't make some plays that you needed to against that running game. But still, that forced Ole Miss to, to not do what they like to do, which is they want to draw up a play to get a dude open deep downfield so Lane Kiffin can throw his hands up and, you know, do the, do the touchdown signal like he used to do at Alabama before the ball goes up. That's and look, man, like he's he's one of the best at doing that, and you took that completely away from him. I think Matt Corral only completed one pass further than ten yards down the field against against Ole Miss, or I'm sorry, against Auburn on Saturday. That is exactly what you want. Credit to Auburn by saying, "Hey, we're going to bend and not break. Bend, don't break. Take advantage of opportunities to force some turnovers, create some havoc, create some stops on certain plays." Once again, man, shout out to Colby Wooden. That dude is playing like just an unreal level right now. I think Popo and McLean have been tackling machines this year. Good game from McCreary. Good game for that secondary in general to hold a really good passing attack to hardly anything through the air. A lot of rotation guys back out there. Marco Domeo getting out there for the first time this season. Jordan Peters making a big play late on a pass. I have never seen a quarterback throw a Hail Mary or any pass four what yards the beyond the line doing? of scrimmage. I had, that was just... What was worse, Herbert throwing it to Narnia at the end of the Auburn-Oregon game or Matt Corral clearly not having any idea where the line of scrimmage was? Because I was like, he's not going to... Oh, he's going to... He's going. He's 10 yards down the field or whatever it was. I was like, my God, man. He was a, he was four yards down the field when he let go of that ball. That was, that was very funny. Whew, real bad. Real bad there. And it was enough to get the win. Of course, Jordan Peters getting it. You think Jordan Peters probably wanted to like run it back and that whole sideline oh, was telling him to sit I down. thought he was going to do it. <laughs> I thought he was going to do it. I thought I was going to get the best of the – oh, Justin, I was praying for just a moment. Yeah, don't gamble on any games that involve Auburn or Indiana. That's It's not it's not, not smart. Not smart. Well, you know, maybe you've learned useful to tell me that yesterday, Justin. Well, I thought you should have known that by Entertainment now. Entertainment purposes only, of course. Let's talk about special teams as we wrap up this, uh, this review podcast. Not good. Uh, yeah, also, what the hell? This has been like such a reliable unit on the whole. I know people want to point to Anders Carlson and some of his misses, but he's right. a college kicker, largely has been reliable, helped you win that Iron Bowl last year, helped you win that Arkansas game, I know, with a caveat. It's been really consistent, and you pointed this out in your observations. They have been stupid good at extra points. Yeah, and, and you have uh, your, your long snapper has a high snap on a on a punt, that turns into what should have been points for Ole Miss, but Lane Kiffin, of course, saying, no, thank you. Let's run that fake. And Roger McCreary saying, all right, such a dumb decision. Just a, And I don't even know if Ole Miss's kicker is good enough to hit it. It, was a, it would have been a very short field goal. Good grief. Like, take the points, buddy. Don't don't try to get cute there. And uh, McCreary cuts it down. So that's a good play from your special teams. Your special mm-hmm. teams are alert enough to make that play. But, yeah, the high snap was bad. The off The off-target snap on the on the PAT – could have really hurt you because you it probably gave had Miss. six points robbed from you too. I mean, uh. 
yeah, six points robbed for me as well on the Tank Bigsby uh, Tank Bigsby call. But remember, Auburn only gets every benefit uh, of the doubt from the officials. They never are on the wrong end of, <laughs> of officiating. It is a conspiracy. I don't know how you can be in Birmingham and write that, but all right. Um, you it, know, it, the, it does show an astounding lack of self-awareness. And I'm by all amounts, that. if you're writing in Birmingham and, you know, Alabama butters your bread, I get it. You know, let's it's have red some meat. self-awareness, please. It's red meat, man. I'll tell you that. The thing there is, is that it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy amount of of weirdness that happened in that game. I think the 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 weather affected those guys uh, on special teams. And look, it the weather affects everybody. So um, that's not an excuse. I'm just saying, like that's why they were a little bit weird. The snaps were not nearly as good as they usually were. Interesting that Eli Stove is now back there on punts. I think the whole thing about Tut not catching the ball yeah, man, on on I those, I think, I really. Was... I was pleased that they made that move because I think when Tut's got the ball in his hands, he's a really good kick returner. But in the last few weeks, I kept going, what are you doing? Like, I'm glad that you don't want to muff any punts, but get under it and don't let it roll for 20 yards. And that's a really hard job. It's probably one of the scariest in all of football. So it's not like I could never, I wouldn't do it in practice, let alone when it actually matters. Have you ever caught, have you ever caught a punt before? Yes. Even if it's just you and your buddies, you know, playing 500, like it's just hard to catch a ball that's coming 60 yards out of the air or whatever. Given that you have to look up and make a decision about people running at you, that's, that makes it even harder. So I'll give Tut the benefit, but I like that the coaching staff made that adjustment. I caught one coming out of a machine one time, like the, the ones that they use practice and stuff like that. And it was just like, Oh, that thing got up there. That's a that's a real that's a real tough thing to do, especially again when the bullets are flying and people are flying at you. By the way, putting stove back there, smart call. Eli Stove once Reliable. again, steady as they come, caught every ball that was thrown his direction on Saturday. The man is just instant yards. Yeah, I was a bit skeptical about how much they would use him and how much honestly I would want them to make him. Oh, he just scored, he'd scored a touchdown on on that higher if, if that screen pass goes a little higher. He had the blocking. You know, I think it was mm. in the fourth quarter. Who, yeah, his knee was down, he, but there was it was a well-executed play other yeah. than the throw. And and I will say I was wrong about, yeah. at this point, I want Eli more involved because you also wrote this. They did spread the ball around, I would say, moderately well. What, Seth have eight, Anthony had seven, and I believe Eli had five catches? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you want to see a little bit more of that, but like I think if you're looking at Auburn in that case um, from this game, one of the things that, you should at least be a little bit more pleased with if you're Auburn is that um, you like the play broke down on third, third down and, and uh, John Samuel Shanker got the ball in kind of a scramble drill. Um, Xavier capers got out there more often. Um, Kobe Hudson got out there. Caitlin Newton got out there. You were rotating some guys in more and still want to spread it out. Looks like Shedrick Jackson's hurt again. Um, but, I mean, good, good win for Auburn. Good win for Auburn, and, and and like, you know, you saw some development out of Bo Nix. You saw some development out of your guys, um, in the skill positions around them, offensive line. You saw a good plan from the defense work out. Your special teams could have really hurt you. Not to mention that Shivers play at the end. Um, but yeah, you'll take that. You will take that every day of the week. I think. Yeah, Auburn's um, played in a lot of close games this year and has made it work on the whole uh, with the. Obvious exception of that South Carolina game. Whether or not you are a glass half empty or half full person, I'm not asking you to ignore all of the frustrations of this season or the fact that they mirror some frustrations in previous seasons. But let's take this one week at a time. Auburn beats a tricky Ole Miss team that it is more talented than that Ole Miss team, and it is in year one. 
But I think at this point, when you look at the way the schedule stacks up with a game plan similar to this and cleaning up a few things, you've got a path forward where it's not a completely combustible season. So I would say take this one win. I understand it does not erase the inconsistencies, especially on offense, especially against teams like South Carolina and Arkansas. But steps in the right direction matter for something. How much it will matter, I guess we'll probably have to talk about that in 2021. Exactly. This was a year always that we said that if Auburn made some progress on the offensive end and, you know, didn't have a really bad year, you were going to be fine. If things clicked, you could see this team making some noise, making a run. But I think it's very clear right now that they're not as good as Alabama or Georgia. But in this year, they can kind of hang with anybody else in the league. And, and that loss against South Carolina did a lot of damage. But it's something that you can overcome. We'll see against LSU this week. We'll see what they do moving forward in the second half of the season. But there is a path forward, like you said, Painter, that this is not a lost season, that this is not just a completely, you know, wasted one. Is it one that, you know, some Auburn fans are not going to be happy with? Of course. Some Auburn fans are not going to be happy unless they are competing for a championship. And I understand that. I understand where that comes from, especially this this late in a tenure. However, uh, you know, 2021, if 2021 is the year where you feel like things could, could really – fall in place for Auburn just with the way the roster is and the schedule is, and maybe you're not in the middle of a pandemic, who knows at that point, you're going to be able, I think, to say 2020, you were able to take some steps forward. Now, you got to you got to keep it rolling. Ole Miss was a horrible defense. Ole Miss is a one-and-four football team, but it's better than the alternative, and you can learn and grow and build much more off of a win than you can a loss. <laughs> it's kind of like what they did, you know, when they played Arkansas – a few weeks ago. I thought last week against South Carolina, outside of the interceptions, they showed some progress in that area, right? Like, I just think it was they were throwing the ball too much. Knicks didn't look the same after that interception, and I think the game plan got away from them. This week they showed that, like, yeah, they've made some progress and that if Knicks is comfortable and under control, he can be a pretty good quarterback. Like, if that Bo Knicks who played – and, again, that's it. It comes with the caveat of Ole Miss being a horrible defense. But if that Bo Knicks plays the rest of the season for Auburn – Again, not a Heisman contender, not an all-SEC contender, but that's a quarterback who can win you some football games. He will have to continue to grow in his confidence because he's such a rhythm quarterback. And when he gets out of rhythm, it's where things kind of get haywire. Yesterday didn't really happen. And it also helps when you have a dude that nobody can tackle next to you, to, to your running back. And feed that guy and feed the feed the guy who feed the guy who decapitated a dude <laughs> to win the Iron Bowl last year. Feed the guy when he's healthy of uh you know who, who's had some pretty good uh pretty good runs this season in the form of dj williams feed them feed them play off of them and see where you go from there there's a path like you said painter there's a path forward that this thing doesn't completely fall apart it could lord knows that auburn football is as unpredictable and and potentially compostable as they come but <laughs> you know if you want to say that if you want to say that this could, this season can be salvaged I think that game plan they put together on offense and to an extent some of the game plan they put together on defense yesterday, you can apply it to a lot of teams you have coming up uh, in the second half of the season. Auburn football, lighting a match and spraying axe everywhere to see what happens. Uh, As I said, consistently beating any SEC team is noteworthy when we're going to focus on Gus Malzahn and the inconsistency. And I'll also say after the win, it leaves the obvious. UGA, LSU, you got to beat those rivals more often. The staff has recruited well. We know the program can be inconsistent. There is a little bit of a pattern to this chaos. I think Gus has established a respectable floor, and this to me was a win I was excited about because you did see progress on the offense. 
It's not what I was hoping for when we entered the year to be taking um, some positives away from what I thought would be a bottom tier Ole Miss team, but it's where you are. And I think it's where Ole Miss is too. Yeah. And, and, you know, Hey, as we mentioned earlier, like the Ole Miss team has given a number of top 10 programs trouble this year and in the past. So you played much better. You played much better defense against Ole Miss than Florida and Alabama did. Those are two top 10 teams. And put up 35, like, you know, for a team that has struggled Mm -hmm. to either score points or, you know, protect the football in the case of the South Carolina game, again, an improvement. Gradual progress. It's not going to be fixed overnight, and not all the problems are going to magically go away. And even if all the problems magically go go away, went away uh, yesterday against Ole Miss, you could also say, yeah, it was Ole Miss. They're pretty bad on defense. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, if you want to be unhappy with everything going on right now, you can find a way to do it. I think you're the one that, and and I'm probably going to butcher the phrasing, but you said in the past to some extent, like if you can't accept Auburn football for what it is, that's on you. Now that does not mean that the program does not have room to get better. I absolutely think it's in a position to take a step forward as a program. Also, like you cannot just brush aside a seven and one record against an Ole Miss team that really over the last 10 years, I know it's been up and down, but it's been some of the best 10 years for that program uh, since integration. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. It wasn't a leap forward. It was a step forward yesterday. You'll take that because a week earlier you looked like you were going forward and then you uh, punch yourself in the face a few times and, and went backwards. Um, yeah, uh, I think you were saying that you know Auburn's the team with the fire and spraying axe everywhere. I feel like Auburn's like Auburn's like a team with a flamethrower, but but also doesn't wear any protective gear. So it's like it's gonna burn somebody, and oftentimes it could be themselves. Might it might be yourselves. The Auburn football, the team that runs with knives everywhere, and if you get in their path, it could get it could get real ugly if they don't stab themselves first. So that that feels like a good uh, recap. I, are the Bills already playing? Yes, yes, baby. I think I hear. I think I hear some background noise about the the beloved Buffalo Bills <laughs> going we got the on. Jets, baby, come on! Oh boy, you got to take care of the Jets. For you got to sure. take care of the Jets, and you got to cover, baby. Both of those things against the Jets are necessary, as they are perhaps one of the worst football teams I've ever laid eyes on. Exactly. Remember, good teams win, great teams cover. Auburn did cover. Take a little bit of that. That's a little bit more of positive if you're looking for it that way. Again, we do not condone, or at least I don't personally condone, betting <laughs> on uh, on Auburn football. That is entertainment purposes only. That is uh, that is playing with fire, quite literally. Painter, let's wrap up today's show uh, by talking about the Auburn Observer. Uh, this is our free recap podcast. Uh, if you want us to hear us talk more about this LSU game later in the week on Thursday, you can do that by subscribing to AuburnObserver.com. A lot of you have already done that. We are well over 450 people who have subscribed to the Auburn Observer here in this first month of the paywall. It is unreal. We can thank you guys so, so much for doing that. Monday, you can check out that film room that I talked myself into writing. I think I'm going to do a defense just because I've talked so much about the offense and there will be plenty of opportunities to write about offense later in the week, but let's give some defense from some love. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to dig into a little bit more to how they were able to handle Ole Miss on Saturday, uh, Tuesday. By the way, already got it, already got it fired up and ready to go. Uh, got a story on Sharif Cooper. Let's go, uh, baby. Got a story on Sharif Cooper. Three areas in which he is already turning heads for Auburn basketball as a true freshman. Um, that'll be available on Tuesday morning. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll have more football coverage. This is the Friday mailbag. Of course, like we said, the Thursday podcast available to subscribers only will be hey, up for, as well. Speaking yes, of that, that LSU preview, 
Is this the most intriguing matchup all year in part because of the way LSU is playing offense and the strengths and weaknesses of the team? And I think given that we're so hyper-focused on beating rivals, it's your best chance to beat Mm -hmm. a rival because you already lost to Georgia. And I'm sorry, but you're probably not going to beat Alabama. This one, to me, sort of a hinge point of the season and just generally morale-boosting to the fan base. It could be the biggest one of the year. I know the Iron Bowl and the Georgia game, whatever. But like, you have a real chance to win this game. Absolutely. Uh, I'm right there with you. And if you want more coverage on that and you want to hear our preview of that, subscribe auburnobserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year can get you set up with that. Um, By the way, next week, during the off week, we are hoping to start sending out a little merch. Just a little bit. We're going to test it. We're going to test something out there. Uh, Nothing big. Nothing Mm -hmm. big. And if you're one of our if you're one of our unlimited subscribers, you will get it for free, um, and uh, we'll make it real cheap for everybody else to get their hands on it. Just a, just a couple of little things that, that we got uh, worked up uh, that, that should be coming in in the next week or so. So in the, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be sending that out um, and putting those up for sale for anybody who wants them. Continue to support the show, this free feed that you get. All these uh, Sunday episodes will continue to be free wherever you're listening to your podcast, Painter. Tell them how to uh, how to connect and and do all the stuff that uh, helps us get helps us keep going. Rate, review, subscribe. You can do that essentially on any platform that greatly helps us. And then the main thing, podcasts usually travel by word of mouth. So if you like what we're doing here, if you like what it is Justin's doing with his stories, he's definitely doing this. I think in a unique way. Uh, tell people, share that. That mm-hmm. helps us. And quite literally, we've said this in the past, and we're not just glad handing. We can't do this without you all. And you guys have made it feasible to this point. We'd like to grow it. And so that is honestly, I think, the biggest thing you can do. If you care about it, if you like what Ferg's doing, please tell people. And we really appreciate y'all's support. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can, you know, from what we've gotten from the first month, this is something that we feel like we can do and pay, you know, pay our bills. Mm -hmm. So that is huge for us. And we can't thank you guys enough for your generosity, for your support, uh, for your kind words and all that. Like Painter said, rate, review, subscribe, tweet about it. Um, I'm on Twitter at jfergusonau. He's on Twitter at paintsharpless. If you ever have any questions or anything, any feedback, feel free to hit us up there. So until Thursday for the Inner Circle Painter, we'll talk to you about Auburn LSU. For the rest of you, we'll talk to you next week at uh, whatever happens between (laughs) Auburn LSU on Halloween. It's going to be normal. My word, that is going to be... Another really weird football game, I'm imagining. Uh, Subscribe to the Auburn Observer for all the stories between now and then. Until then, adios, happy Halloween, and go Bills. Bills.